sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Lady Reverend Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward-Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Lady Reverend Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Lady Reverend Adelaide Heward-Mills. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Lord, thank you for the privilege of being workers in your vineyard. Thank you for entrusting to us your words that are spirit and that are life. We don't know why you should entrust such words to clay, but you chose to do so. Thank you for having looked after us up to now. Thank you for your many mercies and your grace. Thank you for walking with us, Lord, through the valley on the mountain tops, and thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for called by His side. Thank you for the sisterly love and unity that combine us. And thank you for the work that you are doing in our lives, Lord, and even in our church. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will do a work in every heart this evening. I pray that every heart that is resistant to the Word of God will bow in Jesus' name. I pray that the feeble-minded will be strengthened. I pray that the weak will be made strong. I pray that the distraught and the distressed will receive comfort. And I pray above all that we will have an encounter with you, which will be of eternal value. Thank you for the anointing. I have no word of my own. I just pray for the oil. I pray for the anointing by which the yoke will be broken. I pray for a cleansing that your will will be done. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. This is our first meeting this year. And you can see that it's always a struggle. Because I think Lighthouse Chapel is such a busy church. It's very difficult to get the right time for us to meet. But we thank God that we've been able to meet anyway. Um, before I go into the word, I want to talk about called by his side briefly. I think that many of us may not remember the vision or know what it's about. Well, we are trying to break up called by his side so that we'll have lady pastors and then pastors' wives. But I have come to the point that I have to agree that it's impossible because it means more meetings for which I am not available. I just arrived from Takradi around 2 p.m. this afternoon and I immediately had to walk into a meeting which just ended and then I came, it didn't even end and then I came downstairs so I've been taught to set realistic goals, measurable goals and attainable goals, amen so I think that we'll keep called by side as it is for now the vision is there but maybe it's yet for an appointed time but not for now and um I'm glad that you all took time off to be here 
the main reason why I felt that God was calling me to a ministry like this was because growing up as a pastor's wife, I didn't have any role model or anybody to look up to, anybody to ask any questions from that. Is that how it is? Is it going to be normal? Is that how church members act? Is that the heartaches you can get? Is that the scenarios you can face? I didn't have anybody like that. I think that I tried to get close to certain men of God's wives, but somehow it didn't work. Sometimes we also look at people and feel that because they are in this position, they will love God in a certain way, but it doesn't always mean that. Or because they are in this position, they will be really interested in imparting to other people. It doesn't mean that at all. And then sometimes I think there's really not a natural flow. You know, I, I, I once asked my husband, we went out somewhere and there were a group of pastor's wives and we were all chatting and I was trying to go with it. And it worked, but not to a certain extent. When I asked him, he said, I have to speak Ga. Because all the people that at that time were speaking Ga. And then I would also come with my English. Oh, I think, you know, if we do this, he told me that it work. I have to also say a carcassion and things and it should work. My tribe I don't work. There were certain times somebody would say about you, you are a lawyer. You know, so I realized that it's not always easy. And also I think God doesn't always lead you to everybody. You know, so out of my need I felt that the little that God has taught me, I would like to teach others and to encourage others so that they would also know that Certain things are normal. Amen. Amen. PPQs are normal. Do you know what PPQs are? Pre-preaching calls. Before your husband goes to preach, there's tension in the house. You know, and often um, they get short on you. You haven't done anything, but I think they are under stress and under pressure in preparing. So when you just cross, you haven't said anything. You know, you are just ah, faced in a way, you haven't done anything. But after church service, we realize after church, the whole beast is gone. How many of you can relate to that? And everything is normal. So we recognized it. And we also listened to Derek Prince. And he said, on Saturday night, his wife knows that he's funny. So she tries not to get in his way. You know, so we nicknamed the pre-preaching quarrels. That was some time ago. So the last time we had the pastors and pastors' wives meeting two Sundays ago, there were people there who didn't know what PPQ was. So I realized that the term was not being handed down properly. But challenges like that, you know. And if you're a new wife, you think, what am I doing wrong? Am I also not anointed? Why is it when he's going to preach them? He's very sure. But the person is under pressure and very hot, trying to catch a word from God. So you try to just be cooperative. And don't feel guilty often that you have done anything. You know, because when it lives, it's gone. When the person comes to church, he has to flow with everybody because he cannot say, I'm not in the mood of talking, I'm not, I don't feel like to. He can't say that. So he has to be a nice pastor, flow with everybody. After he has preached to, he feels more relieved, you know. So there are certain situations like that. But I felt that if you're a young wife and you have somebody to even tell you that, that is normal. Then if you're a lady pastor, you sometimes you have to preach yourself. You also go under that pressure. You know, and then you realize that when you're a lady pastor to 
You have more things to deal with. Whether you are PG or not, the children will eat lunch. Their father will eat. And my husband takes delight in drinking tea on daughter. I can make it mornings. And feeling very relaxed. Says, hey, won't you go? And uh, when I'm reading my Bible, I say, ah, what are you preparing again? You are right. But when you use I don't say all these things, you know. And he's very happy. And I think that that experience also has helped me to respect his ministry more. Because I know what ministry involves. But sometimes when you don't know, you don't appreciate that, but you just open the Bible and it's not like that. You know, no matter who has visited you with the word, it's still not easy. But when you are in ministry yourself or active, you begin to appreciate all that. So I felt that the Lord was leading me to share whatever I think the Lord has taught me and is teaching me. Um, it wasn't, my husband didn't call me and say, go and form a group and put together lady pastors and all that. I just felt a burden and I felt that that was what God was leading. And I felt that I didn't need a stage for it to be mentioned. Oh, this woman now has a new calling. God is not, no. I have always felt that when you begin little, God, God honors the little that you give him. You know, so I just asked him for his permission. This is what I think I want to do. And we started little by little, you know. And I think that God has been faithful. And when I've had the opportunity of going for daughter, I can make it. They organize their own dinners called by his side, and it really works. You know, and this year, Switzerland, when I went in December, I told them that we sent them mail that called by his side, this is the outline, and then they sent a message that, can we remind them of the vision? And I was a bit surprised. Most of the time, the letter came. We, we were already struggling as an office with where we will go, where we will speak, what we will do. So then when I went for the daughter, after I had a call by Sam, I said, Switzerland, we have decided that joining is optional. We don't want your dues. If you like, join. If you like, don't join. When you live with a choleric, after a while, you have to say things as they are. <laughs> you know, so now it's optional. We said to them, this year, 2005, it's optional. If you pay your dues or show us interest, we will also be that committed to you. But it's not like the bishop's wife has come and that she's forcing something you don't want. Because I also realize that not all pastors' wives see it as a calling. Not all pastors' wives want to be good at what God has called them to do. Not all pastors' wives feel burdened that I want to really stand with my husband. I want to look at what God's purpose for me is. And not everybody has that passion. So they should, you know. Then after the meeting, after I had spoken, they got up and said, how, oh, lady pastor, can you make it optional? And that some people need it and they don't even know. Because some have been married only a few days, a few weeks, they don't even know. And you know, so when I see that it's optional, they feel that I have virtually set them from by that It was a major thing, and then they paid their dues in a year so They paid our assistance immediately. <laughs> I should bring it to Amma. And this year, they have started Colbys. I told them that our target is at least three times a year. Because we are a very busy church. So, they, they are doing more than that. So, generally, they met. This weekend, they are meeting. And they said, I got texts from everywhere, from Zurich, Geneva. The woman said, we never knew we needed it so much. So, sometimes you need something you don't even know. You know, and my hands have really been strengthened by the Swiss people who were being sacked. You know, so, don't get there to be sacked before you know that something is good. And then also, we shouldn't be self-centered. Like, well, 
me, I've gone through my experiences. Everybody too should live their own lives. It enriches your life when you pour out your life or share your life with others. You know, but this each man for himself. So you see a young minister's wife, you can imagine her challenges. You know, you just look, you can imagine, but we don't care. You say, these young people who have come on their high heels, they should learn. Experience will teach them. Just a man, you need them. Experience will teach them. You know, but the Bible says that we are supposed to comfort others with the comfort wherewith we ourselves have been comforted. So that is a ministry that God calls you to. When God comforts you or uses somebody to comfort you, He said, We are comforted by the coming of Titus. So somebody's coming can comfort you, and you in turn become a comforter to somebody else. And when you do that, you are extending the ministry of the Holy Spirit. A call by side is not only to deal with problems, it's also to deal with victories. When you are a pastor's wife, who visits you? The pastor who should be doing the station is in your house. And he has not thought about you as his first port of call. The last time we had the loyalty, whatever, one pastor's wife gave a, a scenario where she was ill and her husband had not asked her anything. It's like they were just at home. He was doing his things. And the church member called and said, Oh, I will be there immediately. Show me. Where? This and that and that, you know. So when he went on the station and came back, the wife said to him, Ah, but I'm also a sheep. I'm here. I'm sick. You didn't even say I can say something before you go out. Her husband said nothing. Then on Sunday at church, he said, You know, my wife, when I visit people, then she says, The wife said, but for the Holy Ghost, I would have stood up in the church and fasted. But she was just preparing her thesis. So when they got home, she poured all the blasters. When she ended, the Holy Ghost spoke to her. He said, you have shocked. And she really felt it. And she repented. But this man, why should you go and say it? In the pulpit. You know, but... Your husband has purpose power you don't have. And the church members will always hear one side. But God is the advocate. Amen. And sometimes even the examples is not you. But the church members think it's you. It doesn't matter. It helps you to be humble. Amen. So it is a selfless call. And if we don't become selfless, we will try to be controlling. And that is witchcraft. Because you control, why did you say this? You shouldn't say, no, what should he say? How should he even hear from God? You must allow it. Your life is being poured out as a drink sacrifice. Ask Mr. Saki. <laughs> and then, when they step out of the pulpit, the ones who are not my husband, and I ask, I said, Pastor D, are you the one who said, oh, I didn't put it that way. Ah, are you sure that's what I said? So, that's what you said. Oh, that's what I said. Stop exaggerating. Then we will go to Mrs. Saki. Mrs. Saki, did you not say this? Oh, no, no, no. I did that. You are this. You are sick and cry. So I think when they step down, then they come back to normal earth with us. But if we interfere, we can stop the move of God. Sometimes you sit on the central, you want to control the preaching through the. the from the front row, you make your face, and they say this, you do this, and they say, you look here. And then the church members say, look at your face to see your reaction. 
everything is universal. But God will teach you how to live through all that. And God will teach you that when your husband grows up the stage, he's no longer your husband. He's a man under an anointing. And you must be able to receive from him. Otherwise, your Christian life will suffer. Because you say, after I asked him a question, he just granted. <laughs> he's now standing here smiling gently. But he was under pressure. Preaching is very pressurizing. You know, and you have to take up so much for the person to be effective. But God knows it. And God rewards. So sometimes God rewards a person. You don't understand. And you think, oh, because she's a bishop, so I have one, two, three, but I believe that there are many unseen things that God rewards, you know. So call by his side is to celebrate your challenges and your victories. And to also learn things. Sometimes not everything that is seen. Some of you, your husbands have a public ministry. And you allow him to come with his shirt. The hem has come down. His beard and comb is scraggly. And he's there giving a revelation. <laughs> no matter what it is, when you are a preacher, people look at you very much. And they, hey, today he's changed his shirt. Hey, what is that? It runs through their minds. <laughs> Even though they are listening to the word. So it is our privilege and responsibility. Hey, Mrs. Ankara. To be wardrobe consultants for your husband. Some of you are allowing them to wear kaba. You know, the African shirts, they look like kaba. <laughs> Some of it is faded. Some of the pastors, when I want to tell them, that's the act. Ah. The way allowed you to wear this kaba. So why do you say it's kaba? I say because of the way. <laughs> So don't just take an interest in what you are wearing. Take an interest in what your husband is wearing. The virtuous woman, her husband is known in the gates. It's an important her husband is known in the gates because of her, not because of him. And if you allow them, they will wear things, I tell you. And you will not be aware sometimes of some of the things. You know, some pastors came and their wives were saying, you are not wearing this today. You are not wearing this. What are you talking about? So He's wearing air conditioner. I said, what's that? The socks has too many holes. <laughs> and when he goes to church and he's finished, then he'll take his foot out and begin. <laughs> and husband said, look, I've not even noticed when I wear my socks, I'm going. What's this air conditioner business? You know? But your husband can sit with the elders and sit at the gate when you take an interest in what he's doing. And you can only take an interest when God gives you a good heart. Because you may be offended as a wife, there may be things you don't like, but God has to give you a heart to walk in love. And that is what will make you interested in the person. But if not, you say, I let him go. It's up to him. When he goes, it's up to him. If you don't come, they say, let him go. The church members will know how he is. <laughs> but our ministry is unto God. The Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands in all things, as unto the Lord. It says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So everything is unto God. Although God always gives you a man so that you can relate to and measure what you are doing. You know, so we wives have to learn all that. Sometimes some people say, I myself have not had time to do my ash. You're now going to look at somebody for what? 
look after somebody's son, you know, myself, look after myself, my children, it doesn't help me, and all this, but love is work. That's what the Bible says, labor of love. When you are loving, you are laboring, you are like a laborer, and it's hard work. Amen. But God will always honor what he says. Sometimes you may, your marriage may go through a crisis, and that's what called by side is, so, so that you have somebody to talk to. Who does the pastor's wife talk to? If she talks to the church members, they don't understand. They feel that she's saying her husband is evil. But that's not what she's saying. She's saying that I have a problem. You know, and maybe it's misunderstanding or miscommunication. They need to, but who should she talk to? Because nobody will understand. And also if she says that, you know, um, I'm having a few problems with pastor. He doesn't talk to me. He doesn't treat me right. The church will never look at my pastor. My sweet pastor, if there's anything, it should be you. You are the problem. You're my pastor. You know, so you need somebody else who can still see the good in your husband and still talk to you. Sometimes you don't even want a solution. You just want understanding. That I understand, which is what I told the men two weeks ago. But first of all, don't come and say, okay, you are sad. Do one, two, three. That's not what we are saying. So why are you sad? Because when I went here, this and this happened. Oh, so is that how you feel? Oh, yes, that's how I feel. I understand how you feel. It must be very painful. Why don't we do this and that? That is the progression. Not that you just come and put yourself together, walk in love, walk in love. Eh? Don't you know the word? That's just not how it's supposed to be. And there are certain things that sometimes you can't talk to anybody about. You know? But somebody who understands and is in ministry, and you know that the person will not take a megaphone and shout on the rooftop, Ah, Nina, oh, she looks so okay. You have problems she's having in your mind. Anybody who talks like that doesn't know anything about life. You know, because life is unpredictable. And life doesn't depend on how good you are. Sometimes you may do all the right things, but bad things happen to good people. You know, and sometimes. Your husband may just act up because he's under pressure from a lot of things. And then under that pressure, his humanness comes in. And somebody has to be able to point that out to you. So call by his side is all that. Now when we have our meetings, we have tips, we have resource material, and you don't buy it. I will never force you to buy. By God's grace, it is not a temptation to force. It is not. I find it very natural to relax. <laughs> But I think that you are not being helped if you don't soak in the tapes. And remember that certain things don't come at this stage of our lives. They come later. I have been blessed by many pastors' wives. There are tapes in their books. And even many pastors, they have ministered to me. The last, I don't know if I told you about Prisoners of the Gospel by TDJ's wife. It's such a good tape. I have it on video, so we will watch it at our next meeting. Remind me. That's a very powerful tip. And after that, she made an altar call for pastor's wives. They came in droves. And they said, if you're here and you have nobody to help you, nobody to talk to, you stand alone, just put your hands up and come forward. And as they came, Mrs. Jakes grew wild. Said that. It's more than she thought. It's more serious than she thought. We're going to go militant. We're going to support ourselves. We're going to... Anybody who doesn't have help, they came and they were weeping so much. And she prayed for them and she ministered to them. She talked about things they could relate to, you know. 
and it was a great healing time. You know, and I think that called by his side could be all these, depending on where you are and what you want to get out of what is happening. And then also we can socialize. I am believing God that we will prosper so much that we can go for banquets at M Plaza and just pay. I've already been there to find out prizes. So just pray that I become a billionaire. There are lots of things I want to do. I want to be able to meet you. You can't pay your school fees. I pay two years in advance. You can't pay for your wedding. Oh, have it, you know. And today as we are coming, we passed by some villages. I saw children, a lot of them, barefooted, torn clothes, you know, and I was telling the shop, even in Accra, when you go and stand there to give people clothes, they are like, who do you think? And why don't I travel with a van to these places? I don't know them. Just distribute whatever I have. And then leave, because in the cities, people are a certain way, which is not the best, you know. But that is to say that the Lord will prosper us. Prosperity with a purpose. So that we will advance the kingdom of God. So this is the vision of called by his side. And we must make it a point to come for our few meetings. You see, I cannot force it. Come, come, come. I have something, but how? It is God who draws people. And it's not even always convenient for me to come and stand here and preach. You know, but I think that I see God and I see the mandate I believe he has given me. And I have become like Ezekiel. And I'm saying, where is me if I do know what the Lord has asked me to do? So I believe that this year, call by side must make strife. And you must have zonal heads, diocesan heads or whatever, who collect dues and make it work. This evening we have refreshments. We never ask you for money. Hardly. And juice, I hear the place to, the most difficult place to collect juice is the cathedral. That's the most difficult place. And we can't get a good tax collector. It was Doris, but when she goes, oh, is that so I don't know, I don't have money, but she leaves them. We need a real person who can make it work. So cathedral, try and elect somebody before this, this meeting ends, so that the person will collect juice from you. And Amma, how much is the juice? 10,000 a month, can you pay? Crab, but they don't pay too. <laughs> so please pay up so that we can do many more things, you know. And there are times when I'd like us to go away for prayer, like we had at Lego and Volta Home. And the Lord is able to cleanse us, minister to us, and strengthen us. We are rejuvenated to go forward. The Lego meeting was powerful, but since then, it was subsidized. We haven't been able to go again. I've been with Mrs. Saki, we've gone to look at a place called Sandpiper by some beach. Oh, we have dreams. But... <laughs> and I, I also don't feel so happy to go and ask the main church every time, give us one, because I know the things that the church is involved in are so many. You know, projects upon projects, orphanage, prison ministry, they are refurbishing the place. So I feel the call by his side should be able to exist on its own. And I want us to be able to set up a secretariat. So this is called by his side. And what God has been doing is that one time ago when we went for the Healing Jesus Crusade in Tema, I went for the first day. I think I've told you before. Then the other days I couldn't go. Then the last day we went. I didn't know the pastor's wives from anywhere. 
But they just came and greeted me and they said, we want to talk to you, about 20 of them. We went for refreshment. Bishop said, oh, there's a seat here for you by him. They said, no, 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 she's coming to sit over there. People have not met before. So they started to talk to me. So, in ministry, when this happened, what do you do? So, I'm like, these people have not listened to any tape by me. They haven't spoken to me before. But they just feel that being the bishop's wife, I must have answers. You know? So I spoke to them, and then in the end, it became a one-on-one. Please, let Pastor, can I see you? Then we'll go outside. You know, in my church, eh, when I married, I wasn't in that church. So when I came, the women have been somewhere, because it's like the pastor should have chosen from that church, and he has gone to bring somebody from. So it's not easy for me. And there's a particular girl called, so let Pastor, how do you deal with it? Can I take your mobile now? Issues upon issues, and I realized that we really need each other. And we need help. And all that they want is somebody to talk to them. That's all. Nothing else. And they said, your call by why don't you open it up? So that whenever you have meetings, your secretary or whoever can call us. And we can all come to internal lighthouse, whatever. I have not felt that we should open it up or anything like that. But it is something that the Lord has begun to do. And even with other pastors' wives, some of whom... I don't know, I don't know properly. You know, the call is when when can you go for a retreat with us? We just want to go for a retreat so that we can pray and what do you do when this and that happens? So when you are faithful with little, the reason why I told you about not standing on stage to say I'm forming all that but being faithful with what God has called that some of you feel in your churches that my husband has not given me anything to do or that I'm not useful. But you can set out to do something. That's our daughter you can make it started. A small Bible study, since I do remember. TV room at Kolebu, Mercy, do you remember? And then I'll just teach a little group because I felt that that was what God wanted me to do. And then with time, my husband said, why don't you do this? Why don't you give it this name? Why don't you do that? So I think that when God sees your selflessness, that you just want to please Him, He will bless the work of your hands. You know? And like all that side is going. So I'm just saying that if it is here with us, let's take advantage of it because I don't know what God will do next. And I told them in Switzerland, I don't know what God, before you hear, we will be selling tips somewhere else. Not because we don't want to work in our vineyard, but it's time to move from Jerusalem to Samaria and to Judea and to the uttermost parts of the world. But God works with timing, you know. So let's be serious about that. And those of us who are wives of GOs and all that, let's nurture the people under us. And let me see progress in your dues payment. Okay. So thank you. That's called by his side. Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. It's going to be very short so that we have our refreshments and then we leave. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, These things saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, and shutteth and no man openeth. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews, and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. 
hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Amen. Now, I don't even know which title to give to this because it's going to be very brief. But maybe I should say a little strength. A little strength. Now, what the Bible is saying here is that before the Lord spoke to the church of Philadelphia, He always describes who He is. He says that these things are being said by somebody who is holy, somebody who is true, somebody who has the key of David, and somebody who opens and no man shuts, and shuts and no man opens. And the first thing the Lord says to that church is that, I know thy works. I know thy works. And then he goes on to say, Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For, what does for mean? Because thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Now many times we quote this verse, I said before you an open door, which no man can shut. And he's saying that, I set that door before you and all that, because you have a little strength. And you have kept my word, in spite of your little strength. And you have not denied my name. And why does God introduce himself, the Holy One, the True One, to tell us that he will keep his promises. He is too holy to sin or to lie about what he says. He is too holy to be false. That's why he says the true. And then I have the key of David. And he says, I open a door and no man can shut it. I shut a door and no man can open it. He's describing himself to you. Before he says that, behold, I said before, I know thy works. Have you ever thought of it that everything that you do, God knows? And it's not just the works, but it's the quality of your work. Because the Bible says that we may do whatever we want to do, but God judges by the motives. Proverbs 16. The Lord looks at the motives, your heart, while you are doing what you are doing. Sometimes we do the wrong things with the right reasons. Example, Saul of Tarsus, he was doing the wrong things, but he felt that he was doing the right thing. It was out of zeal. Then he was committing the Christians to prison, killing them, going on the road to Damascus to get all the people who were opposing what he thought was God's word. And the Bible says, the time of ignorance, God winged at. Paul himself said, but then now he calls upon everyone to be saved. When he was preaching in the book of Acts. You know, so sometimes you may even do the wrong things, but you have a good heart. You didn't know it was wrong. You did it the best way you knew how, and it turned out to be wrong. I think that God is so faithful in those things. Because he's looking at the quality of our work. And then when that happens, he says, you did it the wrong way. But I'm meeting you on the road to Damascus, and I'm going to give you a new life. You know, and Paul said, I obtained mercy. Why? Because I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. Amen. So sometimes you can do things out of ignorance. You don't know. You've gone to church, your husband is preaching, you've squeezed your mouth like Mount Afajato because you don't know. <laughs> sometimes it's because since you were born, you've been born in a climate of quarreling and dissension. I realize that sometimes that's what people know. Everything they have to argue about it. Everything there has to be a tug of war before it's done. Not because they want to be that way, because that's what they have always seen. 
Nothing has ever been simple. Everything is argued about. So even when they are arguing, they don't even know. They feel that this is how it's supposed to be. You know? And some of you, you may give your husband a glass of gari and four cubes of sugar. Because that's what you know. But the Lord is saying, I know thy works. Why do you want to do certain things in the church? Is it to be seen? Because you join the choir so that you will be seen. Or you want a certain position so that you will be seen. Or you feel that as a pastor's wife, you know, I must be seen to be gathering the people and know what God wants. But what you think you would like your image to be. And the Lord is saying, I know thy works. The Bible says that every man's work will be tried. And whether it's made of wood, stubble, hay, gold, silver, the fire will reveal it. And even I think we should be grateful when the fire reveals it before heaven. But when there's no fire, the quality of the work is not revealed. You think you have built a skyscraper. When we get to heaven, it was all cardboard. So sometimes when God judges you here, it's better. The Bible says that some people's sins go ahead, waiting for them, eternity. And some of them, their sins are exposed now. We have to rather pray that the Lord will search us and show us what really our hearts are. I know thy works. The people among whom we labor, do we really love them? Or we just want to be seen to be nice? Is it genuine love? Your love will be tried. Will your love stay? In the midst of all things, are you a pastor? So I, because you feel that well, my husband became a pastor, and then me too, I became. This is not the road I was planning to walk on, but it's still God's purpose for your life. God knew all that, and He brought you to that place where He brought you. I know that works. And sometimes, too, some of us, you are doing all that is in your heart to do, and you feel ignored, you feel unappreciated. And what did Hagar say? When she was driven out by Sarah, she was surprised that the angel of the Lord visited her because she was a pagan girl. And she says, he who sees has seen me. So God sees you wherever you are at. You may be driven out into some wilderness experience, but God sees. And that is the most important thing. I know thy works. Hallelujah. And you can easily be moved into pressure of the people. And many times a pastor's wife is under pressure. Maybe you don't feel even called to be. Maybe it's a small church. You don't feel called to be a choir star. But you feel that, ah, everybody's doing choir. This me. What will I do? But maybe your strength is remember the poor. And you know that you can flourish there. But remember the poor, nobody knows it. Maybe your strength is prayer ministry. They never call you. They never give you a hand. They never stand up when, like the choir. So you say, prayer ministry, who will see me there? I better go to a place where I can have limelight. I know thy works. I know thy works. So the Lord knows. And so let this even let's realign our motives and what God wants. Sometimes do you want to do this? Your husband is the head of the church. He says, do that. Many pastors' wives have complained to me that your husbands make them do a lot of uh, pioneering things, you know. And the church said, Okay, you go and do the choir. Then she does when it's working, say, I found a new shepherd. Take over. Okay, you now go to a uh, Remember the poor. Then she goes to know the poor. She does that and it's okay. Okay, now, follow up. Am I going to be moved, moved around like that? Are we in ministry? But in all that, God knows your works. And perhaps you have to accept the fact that 
you have a pioneering spirit. And oftentimes, your husband may not praise you for what you do. But maybe a shepherd does it. They put the shepherd on stage. Angie, give her a hand. She's in charge of our choir. She has been very powerful. She's been able to build a choir from two to ten. You built it from zero to nine. And she added one. He said, me, this is they don't appreciate it. Me, I won't do it. Your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. I can testify that God rewards you more than you ever know. And I think that God knows more than we know. You know? One lady father was telling me, youth ministry. It was not doing well, whatever. She decided to go and do the youth ministry to bring it up. So youth ministry, she asked her husband, please, we want somewhere to meet. There is nowhere. The church is there. Where, where, where do you find a place to meet with your youth? So, they grew so much, they moved to some junction, some chop bar there. Now the youth ministry was vibrant, going. They've gone beyond the chop bar. So I met the husband. I said, hey, how is your wife? So very well. I said, how is the youth ministry? Hey, now they are my main backbone. I said, yes, I will. And then he even said that. At first I thought that they were not. Hey, but now I see that they are my main people. You know, but if you look for praise, then you will not do what God has called you. And the church will not reach where it has to reach. Sometimes God calls you to be your husband's intercessor. And you want a public ministry. What intercessor? Even when you are interceding for an insult. Through the intercession, you are just insulting him. He is the foolish man. May his ministry never prosper. Look at what he has done to me. You need a certain heart to be able to intercede. But often, God gives you the privilege as a wife to know more. To know the areas he's struggling with. To know the areas he wishes God would speak to him about. To know the areas that he wishes he would get answers, vision. I mean, he thinks he's doing this, but he needs clarity. He needs, and you can go on your knees. But you don't have to come go and announce to you. See, be very grateful. I'm your main intercessor. <laughs> Try and be grateful about what I'm doing in your life. What does the Bible say about the virtuous woman? It says that let her works praise her. Your works will speak at a point. At a point, your works cannot keep quiet anymore. They will speak. And then her husband rises. It says after her works praise her. Her husband rises and calls her blessed. Her children too. And then all the praises come. But you don't work because of praise. You don't work because of affirmation. You work because of he who called you. The Bible says that God made Eve as a help me to Adam. It wasn't a coincidence. Sometimes you go on the missionary field. You say, I'm alone. What will I do? I'll just be here. He is praying and believing God for whatever he should should just do it. We are co-laborers with Christ. That's what the Bible says. And so I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, which no man can shut. This one says, no man can shut it. If God sets before you a door, it means you are not working at it. You are just walking. But you have to be in motion before you meet the door that he has set before you. If you retreat, you will never come to that door. Because he sets the door before you. As you keep mocking, you will get to that door. And when something is set, how many of you know it's immovable? Once God sets it, I set before you an open door which no man can shut. Hallelujah. After he knows your works, he sets before you an open door.
and forgive us this day our daily bread. When you live one day at a time, say, because thou hast a little strength and hast kept my word. Not the word of somebody else. Not the word of your emotions. Not the word of your thinking. Because some of us, our thinking is so warped that if we go by our thinking, in fact, unrenewed minds, it will know thou hast kept my word. We must endeavor to keep God's word. So that we feel that we are doing God a favor. And nowadays, even when you are obeying God's word, it looks like it's not profitable. You don't see easy gain and quick gain. It's like, what's the use? This God is always saying he's faithful. You, But it looks like people who do things and cut corners, they are rather prospering. You know, and me, I'm still walking in this old-fashioned way. I'm not seeing anything. But what God has said, it will come to pass. Because thou hast a little strength and hast kept my name. And has not denied the, my has kept my word and has not denied my name. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. I will make them to come and worship before thy feet. Have you said you need any worship? Those who are of the synagogue of Satan, whoever they may be, sometimes you feel that you have adversaries, but of the, the synagogue of Satan, wrongization, these things are happening. The Bible says that he will make them who say they are Jews and are not. And now the synagogue of Satan, they will come and bow down at your feet and worship you. Hey! How many of us have ever had a prayer topic, Lord, let people come and worship me? <laughs> prayer or things or needs are not always met by prayer. They are met sometimes just by your obedience. Your obedience alone makes God bring something your way. That's why I say like hospitality, you know, the Shunammite woman, she was just good to Elijah. Elisha, and then they said, what do you need? She didn't even know. She said, I don't need anything. I dwell among my own people. I'm okay. So she needs a son. And then the son was given to her. She didn't go to fasting and prayer. She just became a woman who opened her house for the work of God. That's all. So God answers our prayers in various ways, always in the stereotyped way that we know. And to know that I have loved you. God will make them know that he has loved you. People who are in opposition or the synagogue of Satan, he says, I will let them come and babble and I will let them know that I have loved you. And if people see and say, this girl, God loves her. You can imagine what it means. What has brought you all these blessings? The little strength that you have used to keep his word and not to deny his name is what will bring you to that point. The little strength. So do not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season we will reap if we do not faint. Verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience. Again, oh, the word of my patience. I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. The reason why many of us fall in temptation into temptations because we don't even obey God's word. And God is saying that you have kept the word of my patience. He knows that it takes patience to keep his word. The Bible says you have need of patience so that after you have done the will of God, you may inherit the promises. It takes patience to still keep doing the same things even when it hurts. To still keep doing the same things because God said it. And God says that because of that, your little strength, that has kept my peace, I will keep you in the hour of temptation. 
Some of us are falling left, right, and center. And we are not in control. We have unstable emotions, unstable life. Because we have not kept the word of his patience. He says that that temptation, tribulation is coming upon the whole world. But because you have kept the word of my patience, I will keep you in the hour of temptation. I will keep you in the hour of trials. You will not go down. You will survive because of something that you have done. You have kept the word of my patience. Amen. Amen. I, therefore, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation. We shall come upon all the world. Everybody will. But you will be singled out because of that. Isn't God amazing? To try them that dwell upon the earth. Behold, I come quickly. Hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. He says, hold fast what you have. What do we have? He says, you have a little strength. And I've kept the word of my patience. That's what you have. And he says, that hold it fast. That no man takes it away from you. Hallelujah. Sometimes we think that we need gigantic strides, great things. It's just a little strength. Hallelujah. It's just the word of his patience. He says, your strength is little, but you have kept my word. No matter how little you feel your strength is, you have the ability to keep his word. Because he says that the little strength has made you keep my word and not deny my name. Hallelujah. Then I want to read the last verse. The same chapter, but we go up to verse 2. It talks about, uh, you have a name that you live and you are dead. But what I want to stress is, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die. For I have not found thy works perfect before God. Now, many times we are busy putting right what we don't have. That we do not strengthen the things that remain. But in every one of us, there are things that remain. And things that are still alright. And things that have not decayed. And things that God is happy about. And he says strengthen. The things that remain need to be strengthened. But that's why we leave that. And we go in pursuit of something else. He's not saying don't pursue. He says pursue alright. But strengthen also. The things that remain. There are certain things that still remain in you. Sometimes it's your evangelistic zeal. Sometimes it's your thankful heart. Sometimes it's the ability to sing. It's the ability to serve God, to serve the man of God. You have things that are remaining. In spite of all your backsliding and your sameness. There are things that remain. And sometimes we get depressed. We get shaken by things in life. But there are still things in your life that remain. That need to be strengthened. That should not go away with the other things. But in the midst of the problem, we add all the good things to the bad things. And we do not strengthen the things that remain. But God will give us strength. Hallelujah. No matter if even it is a little strength. And at the end of the day, he will set before us an open door. Which no man can shut. May the Lord strengthen us for the work that is ahead. May he open our eyes so that we will see whatever we are doing as a spiritual calling. A calling to love his sheep, to feed his sheep, to feed his lambs. And if we do not have that heart, may the Lord touch our hearts and give us new hearts to minister for the right reasons, to love his work and his people, and to lay down our lives. The Bible says we have passed from life to death because we love the brethren. May the Lord help us. And the things that are remaining, may your depression not kill the things that are remaining. May your frustrations not kill the things that are remaining. 
May your bitterness and offenses and hurts not kill the things that are remaining. But may the Lord do a permanent work in us and set before us an open door which no man can shut. Amen. Hallelujah. Please stand to your feet for the word, the strength to keep the word of his patience. And ask him to teach you to live one day at a time. And ask him to open your eyes this year to show you in which ways you can fulfill his call on your life so that you will come to that place where an open door will be set before you. The word of his patience, your patience will be tried. Your love will be tried. Your will will be tried. Your reputation will be tried. Everything about you will be tried. But if you are able to keep it, the Lord will set before you an open door among many things. Amen. Purify my heart. Let it be as gold and precious silver. Purify my heart. to release tonight, be it a church member, be it your husband, may the Lord bring healing into our hearts and allow you to release whatever is there. And if your vision has been twisted and turned, may the Lord give you the straight vision from tonight. May healing hearts be healed. May the weak be strengthened. May the Lord do a new thing. In Jesus' name. In the name of Mama, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We want to be fervent and we want to be effectual. We want to mean what we say and say what we mean. Amen. In the Mamala Bodu Makayanda Mamala Bodu Mashanda Mama. Oh yes, Lord. Make Kabala Mundi Mamma. Make Kabala Bodu Mashende Mamala Babanda. Mikobala Mende Mamala Bodu Mashende Mama. In the name of Jesus. Make Kobala Mundi Mamana Mamara Mushodi Mama. Make Kara Mamara Mudu Mudi Mamma. 
I pray, I pray that you will strengthen us, Lord, in the inner man by your spirit, Lord. Strengthen us in the inner man by your spirit, Lord. Strengthen us in the inner man by your spirit, Lord. Strengthen us in the inner man by your spirit, Lord. Strengthen us, strengthen us, strengthen us, strengthen us, Lord, in the inner man by your spirit. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, O God. That we, being fully grounded in love, may comprehend with all sins, what is the length and depth and height and breadth of God? I pray for strength for your people, Lord. I pray that the weak will be strengthened tonight, the weak emotionally, the weak psychologically, the weak physically, Lord, the weak within, Lord. I pray for strength in the name of Jesus. I pray for a quickening by the Holy Spirit. I pray for that strength that will cause us to hold fast to your word of patience, Lord. That strength that will cause us not to deny your name, O God. That strength that will cause us, O oh God, to be kept in the hour of temptation. I pray, O oh God, that you will strengthen us as pastors' wives and lady pastors. Strengthen our hands, O oh God, in times of discouragement, in times of confusion, Lord, in times of distress, Lord, in times when we don't know and when we don't understand. I pray for supernatural strength for your people in the name of Jesus. In times when we are depressed, Lord, in times when our knees are weak, Lord, in times when we are lame and hurt and broken, Lord, I pray for healing. I pray for strength to come from your throne, O God. Strengthen us in the inner mind by your spirit. Let healing come, Lord, in all the broken places, in our broken lives, in our homes, Lord, in every area of our lives that we need strength. I speak strength this evening in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, I pray, O God, that our eyes may be fixed on you. We will look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, Lord. That our eyes will be fixed on you. Our gaze will be fixed on you, Lord. That you will bring us into a good place. Oh, blessed be your name. Oh, Kamaramashandaramamaha. In Jesus' name. Father, thank you, for unto you has the gathering of a people been. I speak healing to every sister here, Lord. I speak strength to all the weak areas of our lives, to all the weak departments and facets of our lives. Lord, to those whose home lives are crumbling, the places look weak and feeble, I pray and I speak forth healing, and I speak strength, and I speak new life, Lord. And to those who are emotionally broken and weak, spiritually weakened and, and almost backsliding, Lord, and psychologically broken and confused, oh God, and with no strength left, Lord, I speak the strength of God. I pray that we will be strengthened in the inner man by your spirit, oh God. Holy Spirit, you said the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. I ask for a quickening tonight. I ask for a quickening tonight in spirit, soul, and body. I ask for wholeness, Lord. And I pray that the little strength that we have will cause us to obey your word, will cause us not to deny your name, will cause us to keep the word of your patience, so that, Lord, you will keep us in the hour of temptation. 
He will set before us an open door which no man can shut. He will cause those of Satan's synagogue to come and bow down at our feet, O God. And He will give us true riches in accordance with Your word. I pray for those of us who don't have the burden, O God, or feel that we are called to anything. I pray for a revelation in the knowledge of you, revelation in the purpose for our lives, and in ways, O God, that we are not a blessing to our husbands or to the visionary, and in ways, Lord, that we don't even think it's important. I pray that a new ministry will begin tonight, and Lord, we pray for God by his side. We thank you for what you are doing. We say that take it, Lord. And like the five loaves and two fish, Lord, distribute it abroad, Lord, so they can feed many, many more thousands, Lord. I pray that you will sustain this ministry. I pray that you will provide in every way. And I pray that the courts of love will not be broken. Thank you that you will do more than I've asked you for. For you know more needs than I know about. You know more heartaches than I know about. You know more challenges than I know about. You are the all-knowing God. Thank you that you are also all-powerful to meet all our needs. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. We're going to start serving the people before they come. And whilst they come, we can still read through the questions. We hope we'll be able. The last time, the pastor's wives and their spouses, I didn't see some, a few of the questions, and so some were not answered. But anyway, what do you do if your husband has a problem with your dressing and hairstyle? Unfortunately, what he likes are out of fashion, outdated, outmoded, and ancient. <laughs> Example, he wants you to come back from the salon with curls, but I thought curls were in again. And that's not like wigs or weave on or braids, etc. What do you do? This is a tough one. You try to do what he likes and what you like as well, so that you don't become too depressed. So you try to please him. And that, but I think that something like braids, if he doesn't like it, weave on, he doesn't like it, it's very difficult to. But I think that you can be fashionable without some of these things. So try and please him, and then also try and talk him out of it. Oh, this one too is also in fashion. What do you think? You know? but it's not an easy problem. He doesn't like your dress, he doesn't like your hairstyle. <laughs> and you think that everything is outmoded, everything he likes, maybe too. Your dress is a bit funny. Yeah. It could also be what you are calling fashionable and some, some way dressing. So look at it again. And then sometimes too, you can come and see me. I'll go and talk to him. That uh, you said that what you don't like, what, she's, what is wrong? <laughs> what do you do when nobody understands you and you are praying about your situation and the answer has not yet come? First of all, you have to believe that we have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So nobody may understand. But if God understands, let that comfort you. Because the just shall live by faith. And faith is a way of life. And sometimes too, you just want to share your problem so that people will support you. But maybe generally they don't see what you are saying. You know, and you cannot get people 
when you try to get people to understand you, you are getting worked up and you are trying to form a political party. But if you know that God understands, and sometimes God understands that he doesn't agree with you. He understands what you are saying. But maybe your perspective can be a bit one-sided. You are standing here, you are seeing this pulpit. Your husband is standing here, he's seeing this pulpit. You are both right. Do you understand? He sees this side. You see this side. So don't be so dogmatic about your view. Because for all you know, he also has a point. And then you say you are praying and the answer hasn't yet come. Just trust that God knows best. God is serving. Hold on to the verse that says, that For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. The answers may not always be in the way you expect, but God will certainly walk you through and make sure that it works out for your good. Amen. My children love the Lord, and I'm very grateful, but sometimes I feel they are a bit skewed. For example, one of them said he wishes we had an accident so that he could die and get to heaven quickly. <laughs> he now sees school as an opportunity to preach only. My husband, I feel, is a contributor. He makes them read books which are above them. What can I do and not be thought of as ministry, as not ministry-minded? Well, if I found myself in such a situation, I would also try to make my impact on the children without being political. For instance, if my child comes and says, well, I wish we would all die and go to heaven now, now, and I say, oh, heaven is a wonderful place, but God puts us on earth for a purpose. We have a lot of things to do. The Bible says we are the salt of the earth, we are the light of the world, so there's a lot of work for us to do before we go to heaven. And then if he comes and says, Oh, mommy, all that I want to do is to preach in school. That's all I want to say. Oh, it's a wonderful thing. But God also wants us to build up our minds and to learn. So you have to get a good balance. Because so the word of God will also help you. And if your child is excited about the word, then use the word to teach him the other side, you know, without looking like an opposition member, you know, to your children. My husband, I feel, is a contributor. He makes them read books which are above them. Um, I, don't mean, I don't know whether you mean above them spiritually, but you can always also give them books that say that God wants us to be faithful in everything that we do. The Bible says, whatever you do in word or in deed, which, is, which includes studying, do all to the glory of God. You know? So your scriptural basis will help you because then you'll be nurturing them in the Christian faith. What can I do? and not be thought of as not being ministry-minded. So I hope that answers the question. Can you entertain your in-laws in your home? Of course. <laughs> Unless I don't understand the question. Do you mean, can they come and spend time in your home? Or live with you? I knew that it would come from a girl woman. <laughs> because everything they do is from here. They are outdoing this year. Their funerals are here. Their relatives are all around them. So they are not used to, you know, somebody coming for a long time stay for what? You know? But yes, your in-laws can come and stay with you. But I think that it should not be without you and your husband having discussed it. And they should not outstay their, outlive their welcome. You know, sometimes. But you as a wife, I wonder what you can do. Because I had a problem like that. I mean, somebody came to ask me what she should do. Her, her mother-in-law came and said, hey, I. Within a week, she had been to the hospital, medicine given her. She's been there for eight months. 
and they don't have a big house, two bedroom, and she's there with the children. And the children have been pushed. One of them is lying on the floor. And still the woman is not going. You know? She gave her cornflakes. The woman said, you don't respect me. So you have given me broken biscuits. <laughs> so I said to her, why do you worry to give her cornflakes? She said, because if I don't give her, she will say, I think, whatever. If I give her to... I said, well, then your husband, I think, is the one who has to deal with it. If it's his parents. And put his foot down. Because if you do, it will backfire. And it will become a problem you cannot uh, handle. And then have you tried prayer? Prayer can move people out of your home also. Can you train your child by beating? Of course. The Bible says foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. But the rod of correction will drive it out. The Bible also says that if you beat your child, he will not die. And also sometimes correction is not just the rod. Sometimes it is, you cannot go to this friend's house, you cannot watch television today, go to your room, sleep early, and things like that. You cannot call any friend on the phone, and things like that. You know, my children are now teenagers, so now they are interested in the phone. And sometimes when I ask David, who are you speaking to? Mommy, why? 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 I'm talking to my friend, why? Why do you want to know the name? Why? And I feel very hot. It's like, hey, since when? You know? And once he was talking to an unbeliever girl, I wasn't amused at all. In his class, I mean, just a classmate, but I wasn't. Because when I go to school, I see the girl, she dresses some way. And, and so he was very upset. I said, why? If I talk, doesn't mean anything. It's nothing. And then the father came and said, don't call her again, okay? She's not your friend. Don't call her. Finished. But my phone is cordless, so I didn't know that. On Tuesdays, they come to my room talking to me a lot. You know how I come late. If they do the, I don't know, my phone has been taken out and put somewhere. So when I lock my door, I think I've locked my phone up. And I discovered after about two weeks that my phone is actually out there and they make the calls they want. Because my bedroom is the only place where you can ring and it's cordless. So as I am in church lifting my hands, they are speaking on the phone. And I didn't know that. So yes, sometimes I say, your snack, you can have this, you can't have this. You can do this, you can't you can go to this fence, and it works. You know, instead of the beating. Because when I beat, my children say, it's not hard. And then they run. yeah, it's not painful, so I've stopped. I do things that work. What do you do when you, uh, when you tell to dress appropriately, and he insists on what he wants to wear? which looks inappropriate. You see, we are not personal Holy Ghosts. Ours is to inform. But the transformation comes from God. So you are doing your best. You want the person to look good. So why don't you wear this? Why are you wearing this shirt with the hem? The person says, this is what I wear. In that case, your work is over. You have done your part. You cannot force the person. Nobody's will is subject to another man's will. So in that case, you just leave it. And believe God that one day he will listen to you. What do you do when you have set up a small ministry and your husband doesn't say anything about it or encourage you? I think the preaching has answered that question. Just walk on by faith and don't let it be like a competition. I'll show him that me to my ministry can work. You see? Somebody told me, I feel my husband sits on my ministry. I said, what does that mean? 
It doesn't give me anything to do in the church. Every day, go and do this small, go and do this small. Well, what is my call? So now, I mean, I also want to be on my own. I want to be a church planter. Amen. Can you ask your church members to visit you in your church, in your house? If I did that, I would not have anywhere to lay my head. So I think that you should have it should not be an encouraged policy because it's very difficult. And as the church grows, it will become a culture. Everybody can come to your house. But the pastors will come to your house for PFI and things like that. But church members who just visit you in your house, I don't think it's advisable. And if your husband thinks it's advisable, come and see Bishop. He will talk to him. How do you deal with people living together without being married in your church with children? Well, we are having what we call some mass marriages. And we are taking people who are living together, have children, like we call them common law marriages or common law wives. So we ask them to come here. We do counseling and then we marry them from the various churches. So encourage them to regularize their marriage. But you cannot sack them from the church. The church, there are witches inside, fornicators, adulterers, thieves, murderers. This um, guy who was caught in a shaman on Tamaklo. Uh-huh, yeah, hey, he's very active. I forgot the name of his church. Charismatic church is in the choir. He pays his tithes regularly. So, how will you know unless you have the spirit of discernment? You will know. How should a wife handle the situation of another woman in the church who gives her husband too much attention? Talk to your husband about it. If he doesn't see your point, you still have prayer. Pray about it or talk to a senior pastor about so the senior pastor would talk to him. If the senior pastor talks to him and he's still not hearing, pray about it and leave it to God. I believe that our marriages are really kept by God. It's God who, the Bible says that he's able to keep that which you entrust unto him until that day. So learn to pray about your marriage because it's, and also give room for the fact that you may be seeing things a bit wrongly because you are emotional you are very emotional about everything you know so come and see a senior pastor about it and whoever it is we will talk to the person you know this that 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 that. it's not um, an uncommon problem you see it can be talked about and don't get too worked up about it It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Hewitt Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Reverend Mrs. Adelaide Hewitt Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.